0: Love, talk Radio This is the Car session Sports Report I am your host, Job We are back Week 2 is in the books uh, I just want to thank everybody for joining me tonight As always, you know how I do when I do Car Sessions Unlike most sports shows We actually discuss what happens <laughs> So, with that being said Before I get too deep into the week two review, I really want to focus on Jay Gruden, Redskins coach. Um, In recent years, he's had RG3 to use as a punching bag for the failures of the Redskins prior to changing quarterback, going over to Kirk Cousins, and being able to win a division, although it was a, a very terrible division, but a division win nonetheless. But now, as myself and TJ expected, and I know a lot of others expected, the Redskins looked very ordinary coming out of the gate. So my question now is, is Jay Gruden going to blame Kirk Cousins for the failures, much like he blamed RG3 in the past? Or is he going to actually put the onus on himself as the coach Because this week is a humongous week This is one of the biggest giant Redskins games in recent memories For the obvious Odell Beckham-Josh Norman feud That has taken on WWE pay-per-view levels of excitement around the NFL circle so Now they go into MetLife Stadium Take a big fat L on their head Is he gonna say, you know what, I need to do a better job as a coach, or is he gonna find another player to throw under the bus? That's my question. Who is Jay Gruden gonna blame? Because I get this vibe from Jay Gruden that he's not a stand-up guy. He's a finger pointer. The way, all right, RG3. He's not the greatest guy. You know what I'm saying? He has a lot of bad ways that people question and a lot of raised eyebrows With some of his actions We get that But the way Jay Gruden went about throwing RG3 under the bus Has never sat well with me I have an issue with a head coach Who kind of got personal with a player And took it to the media You know what I'm saying? As a head coach You're supposed to keep things in the locker room. If you're not filling rg 3 that's great. I totally understand that. But you don't go to the media and flagrantly demolish this man in Washington, D.C. It's not New York City, but Washington, D.C. is a pretty big media area for obvious reasons. The president. Hello. And you're going to throw this guy under the butt who made Washington football relevant just two years before? The nerve of you. So now your team looks ordinary. They did not beat a good team at all last year. They still haven't beaten a good team so far this year because I believe the Cowboys are still a good team. And we know what the Pittsburgh Steelers are all about. So as of right now, he has lost however many games consecutively against teams that are actually good. So, Jay Gruden, the gauntlet has been dropped. Week three is upon us. How you going to step up, brother? I know I don't sound like myself. I'm a little hoarse, you know. It's still a job. I got my coffee in my hand right now. I'm trying to make sure I'm a vibe with y'all. I don't, I don't got the pipes. So I usually have the pipes paused, but I'm a, I'm a bear with y'all. But this is a serious question for me. A lot of guys right now wonder, you know, oh, it's such a great game. It was the Cowboys and the Redskins, such a classic NFC East rivalry game. Yeah, Cowboys and Redskins, what a game! And this guy Jay Gruden gets to just float on by. Teflon Jay Gruden, untouchable Jay Gruden. Is it because John is on ESPN, so there's like a is a buffer there? Hey, don't kill my bro, man. You know that's my brother, dude. So take it a little easy on him because you still have to work with me. So I'll go to NFL Network. There's no heat on Jay Gruden. Oh, he won the division last year. Is that why? Is that what it is? Hey, man, Jay Gruden won the division. You can't just kill him. Yes, I can. I'm doing it right now. Jay Gruden is not that good to me. The attitude he, carried, he carries and carries at RG3 and carries right now as a hoity-toity head coach, sticking his chest out, has all the answers like he's been hanging out with Kanye. I'm a little worried about the Redskins organization in his hands. The Redskins have some pretty good players, some really, really good players, actually. And they can't do much with them because they have a bonehead for a coach. Yes, I'm going in on Jay Gruder right now. I'm not even a Redskins fan, but I just don't like him. It is what it is. Sue me. Huh? Redskins fans all over the nation are feeling what I'm saying right now because it's a fact. What has he done in his tenure as Redskins coach that you can point out and say, yo, this guy did a great job? Kirk cousins was balling since the Shanahan era. He just had to wait his turn. You know, he balled out and the league has caught up to him as I thought they would because he's not an elite talent. He's all right if you don't see him coming, but if you see him coming, you can game plan for him. He, he doesn't do anything extraordinary, but he was pretty decent with Hand. and he's continued to be pretty decent with Jay Gruden. Jay Gruden has not coached up Kirk Cousins. So again, I ask the question, what has he done? Jay Gruden is approaching that level on card sessions where I start asking, who is this guy? Because... Outside of his last name ringing bells because of Big Bro, he has not done anything to show that he deserves to remain on as Redskins head coach. I have an issue with this man. You would think he took money from me. You would think he took money from me. But anyway, I really had plans on coming on here and absolutely killing, killing, killing absolutely killing Jason Garrett, but then the Cowboys won and he got Des the ball. But I still wanted to talk about it for a second because I feel like when Tony Romo is not the quarterback of the Cowboys, Des Bryant just so happens to become the forgotten man in Dallas, and I feel as though that's not fair. That's not fair at all. Like, you're a head coach, you're kind of untouchable because... The owner loves you. Jerry Jones loves Jason Garrett like a son. But you mean to tell me that Jason Winton can still get the ball? Cole Beasley can still get the ball? But there's no way for you to design a game plan to feature Dez Bryant? All right, Dez got the ball yesterday. But that's the first time I've seen Dez properly featured without Romo in a very long time. Cowboys fans can attest to this. This, 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 this is a surprise. I wouldn't be surprised if next week Dez only has three catches. I won't lie to you. Because it seems as though Jason Garrett does not know what to do with Des Bryant at all. It's Tony Romo who's usually knowing where to find Dez. He knows a playbook like the back of his eye, like the black excuse me, like the back of his hand, and he knows where to find Dez Des Bryant when things get tight. I can't say the same thing for, for when Tony Romo is not playing. But if the onus is on the coach. We all know here, coaching one-on-one, the coach's job is to put the team in the best position to win. If your best offensive player is not getting the ball on a regular basis because the quarterback isn't there, that is a problem. Again, if Cole Beasley can feast off of a lot of catches, Jason Witten is still getting the same amount of targets he would get with or without Romo, you have to find a way to devise a game plan that features Des Bryant. That's an absolute must. If you got to put him in the slot, if you got, if you got to get him on an end of round, if, if, if you got to just throw a couple of bombs just to keep the safety honest, and not the safety of the secondary as a whole honest, just to take the top off the defense, you do what's necessary. They don't do that. I'm completely surprised that they found a way to do that after X amount of chances. How many games did Tony Romo miss? Romo's missed a lot of games. They had a lot of chances to get this right. And I saw in week one they failed against the Giants. Granted, the Giants' defense is going to talk about. I'm going to get into that a little bit later. But fact is a fact. He has failed up until yesterday to get Des Bryant the ball. I don't understand. The NFC East has three coaches right now. Actually, two. Doug Peterson might be all right. We're going to see. But there's two coaches in the NFC East right now. and Jason Garrett and Jay Gruden, that guy. Who don't deserve to have the positions that they hold? But you know what? Jason Garrett's not going anywhere as long as Jerry Jones loves him. And who knows what's going to happen with Jay Gruden. If the wheels completely come off in Washington, I can see Jay Gruden getting the boot. I kind of hope he does because, again, he was very unprofessional handling RG3. And I don't. I think he's in over his head. Some guys are meant to be coordinators. You can get crazy in the locker room when you're a coordinator. Nobody will ever know what happened unless somebody leaks information. But when you're a head coach, you got to handle the situation like a head coach. And I don't think he's built for that. Big Bro's built for that, but I don't think he's built for that. We got our first caller coming on the air. Let's get him on right now. Call you alive. This is the Car Station Sports Report. This is job. What's good?
1: What's good,
2: y'all? Ray
0: Dre in the house, man. Ray Dre, what's going on, brother?
2: Yo, man. Yo. It's, it's getting desperate right now, man. Um, I know it's
3: <laughs> only game,
2: <but> this is <laughs> Y'all great. This is how I do, man. I'm, I'm letting you know. I'm, I'm sounding the alarm right now. Um, okay. We are one of the worst defenses after two weeks. Um, we we have played Atlanta and we have played New Orleans. Okay, okay, that's fine. And we've scored points on them. But what they have in common, they don't have no defense either. So right. the Raiders was hot pick coming in, and I would tell dudes to pamper their expectation. I'm tired all summer, dudes, seeing me in the streets talking about yo, the Raiders is going to come up. The Raiders, I don't, I, I don't like that man. You know what I'm saying? And what has happened right now is, we um, burst a lot of people's bubbles, but not mine. Um, Ken Norton Jr. Correct. has to go. He's terrible. He's not a strategist. Boom. I'm done, really, man. Thoughts?
0: Jeez. Jeez. You're done? You got to go? Yeah, yeah. Thoughts. 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 No thoughts. Let me you thoughts? I'm done. This. this is my question to you. We, we, we spoke in the preseason about the Raiders defense. We both kind of pointed out that they were deficient in terms of talent overall. So my question to you will be, what would firing Ken Norton do right now? He's not firing Ken I get another reality. scheme. It's not the talent. It's the scheme. It's okay. The scheme.
2: Okay. It's not the talent. It's the scheme. Um, you cannot have Khalil Mack playing with his hand down in the dirt all game long when he really is an outside linebacker. I need him to get his Lawrence Taylor on. But we playing a 4-3 right now. We're not playing a 3-4. We're not splitting it up like we did last year. We got him playing with his hand in the dirt. He's getting triple teams. He's getting chipped by the running back. Yeah. He is on a goddamn yeah. milk carton right now.
0: What has Khalil Mack done the first two weeks? Nothing. I haven't even heard Khalil Mack's name. We've heard about Absolutely. the Raider often. I haven't heard. I haven't heard a name from the Raider defense make a play as of right now.
2: We're not moving him around. We're not showing any type of. Um, diversity with the play calling. Um, we're, not blitzing, we're not blitzing safeties. We're not showing the quarterback something different. We got Matt Ryan who is a statue, and we don't send one blitz against him. He is a statue, a mannequin, and we don't even bring one blitz against him. And Ken Norton, it's not only me. There's Raider fans across the nation. It's like Ken Norton Jr. He's a rally guy. He's a rally the troops guy. Clap it up. Clap it hands, yeah. mad hard. You know, but he is not a I'm stuck
0: with He's a position coach. I mean, He's not a coordinator. No question. No question. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I get that. I get that 100%. You know what? When you have an athlete like a Khalil Mack, you could use him in a bevy of ways. So maybe you're right. Maybe if they change the scheme up and use their best player, and put them in position to make plays to at least keep the defense respectable. You guys will, you know, probably win games by a more decisive margin as opposed to letting the Falcons, who got embarrassed by the Buccaneers a week ago at home, come into Oakland, exact the game they had no business taking. Exactly. Exactly. If we was real,
2: we'd be 2 0 right now. Okay? So True. if you play fantasy, start your Titans
0: next week against the Raiders. <laughs> it's, a <go. laughs> it's a go. It's a go. It's a go. Yeah, Raider Dre is in his bag right now. I'm sorry, man. You know, it could be worse. You could be 0-2. At least you got to win to start the year, No, no, no.
2: I'm fine. Remember now, I'm fine. I'm just tempering um, outsiders' expectations. As a Raider fan, I know my deficiencies the whole summer. You know what I mean? I wasn't joking when I said Tennessee scored 27 straight points in Game 3 of the preseason. I wasn't joking. I'm I'm just humming down the bandwagon dudes out there who be trying to get me all hyped up. I know what we I'm a real fan. I'm not a fanatic. You know what I'm saying? So I will walk right. on my raiders with as much enthusiasm as I will cheer for them on the reels. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not disappointed. I'm cool with one and one. Give me nine and seven and,
0: and yo, man. I'm good. You know what, Rated Dre? We we both looked at it. This is a nine and seventeen with the arrow pointing up. I think I'm not sure if they're going to pull a Rex Ryan move and get rid of a coordinator at this point in the season. But I do believe that if things stay the way they are, of course he's gone. There's no way that Ken Norton keeps his job. So maybe get rid of him. And we look at it 2017 with the pieces they'll have in place, some more defensive additions. You know, the ball will be in their court. No question. Don't worry, Carl Sessions. I'll let y'all know when we're real. (laughs) <laughs> I, I expect it at this <laughs> point. Ray, your name is not Raider Dre for no reason, so I expect it. All right, y'all. Have a good one, boss man. One well, love. Raider Dre bringing the heat as always. As you see, car sessions. As much as it's about me talking and, and and telling you what's actually happening out here, it's a forum for sports fans to come through and get off their opinions. If you if you're in your bag or you feeling some kind of way about your team. Regardless of the sport, you can call in. You know, I'm here. I I, I like a good sports to be, if you can't tell by now. TJ, what up? <laughs> but um, a lot of teams right now, 0-2 in the NFL. And I want to know, like, I been th- I thought about it all day today. I was thinking about it last night. Some of these teams that are 0-2, it was expected. But there's certain teams that are 0-2 who you could say have some expectations. So my question right now is, of all the 0-2 teams, who's in the most trouble? So let's take a look. You have the Redskins, who we were just speaking about, 0-2. New Orleans Saints, 0-2. Miami Dolphins, 0-2. Buffalo Bills, 0-2. Colts and Jaguars, 0-2. The Browns are 0-2, but it's the Browns. I thought they would be good. You know, I thought there was a good energy around them. RG3 gets hurt. I'm going to talk about him in a second. So I don't really want to put too much of a trouble on them. It, it, it's, it's it's the Browns. We expect that at this point. But there's a few teams that my eyebrows are to my airlines right now because they shouldn't be 0-2 right now. The Colts and the Jaguars. The NFC South is going to be highly competitive this year. And so far, the two teams that a lot of people, including myself, believe that will be good, have come out the gate, have played shoddy defense, and have not won a game. So now the question is, how much trouble are they in? The New Orleans Saints, I thought they would be good. They're 0-2. The Washington Redskins, I didn't think they would be good, but people did have them up there. I think the Redskins are in a lot of trouble. But I think the team that's in the most trouble at 0-2 has got to be the New Orleans Saints. And here's why. They lost the game to start the year when their defense could not stop a nosebleed at home opening day, which Drew Brees lost his mind. Week two, they stopped the Giants and their volunteer receiving call from even getting in the end zone. Drew Brees couldn't put up the necessary points. So they found a way to lose in two very puzzling ways back-to-back. That's a little troubling for me. When you, look, when you really think about that for a second, it's like, wait a minute. This team, that it should be able to score points with the best of them. Did that, lost. They should not be able to play defense. Did that, lost. I'm very concerned about the New Orleans Saints at 0-2. The Buffalo Bills as well, because like I said in the preseason, this is a team that lacks discipline. This is a Rex Ryan coach team that... You know, Rex has been failing to live up to expectations since the second year he took the Jets to the AFC Championship game. And I said, prior to that Thursday night game against the Jets, whoever was going to end up 0-2 is going to have a microscope on them because it's a lot of pressure to be successful within that organization. And we see now the Buffalo Bills 0-2. They're in a heap of trouble. They're in a heap of trouble because there's nothing that indicates as of right now, as the facts change, so in my opinion. But through two games... I don't know. I really don't know. They had the Jets looking like the greatest offense you've ever seen. Against the Ravens, they couldn't score. So it's like, what's happening with the Buffalo Bills? Jacksonville Jaguars and the Colts, I don't think they're going to be in that much trouble because I feel as though as the season goes on in the AFC South, these teams are going to kind of like balance out and start beating each other up. I think the Texans will, because the Texans play a lot of defense, the Texans will eventually be the cream of the crop, but I think I don't think the 0-2 hurts too much in the AFC South because I feel like it's going to be a lot of infighting taking place there. But on the AFC side, I believe the Buffalo Bills are in the most trouble at 0-2 and on the NFC side it has to be the New Orleans Saints in trouble at 0-2 because you still have to you still have the Falcons lingering around Falcons have a lot of talent we know what time it is with the Panthers, the Buccaneers got embarrassed, absolutely embarrassed yesterday but Jameis Winston is still on that team And it's still getting better So I'm kind of concerned for the Saints Because you can't afford to give up ground This early in the, in the season In a division where there's a lot of talent On all four teams So that being said You know The Buffalo Bills And the New Orleans Saints Are in desperate need of a win If they don't get a win this week You can could, you could almost write them off You know I hate jumping a gun like that, but 0 3 coming in with expectations, it's not even about the football more so than it's the pressure that comes with it. If you if you're dealing with that kind of pressure, right? That that shows you the kind of heart that your team has. How are these teams gonna react? I don't I, I don't see the Buffalo Bills under Rex Ryan reacting very well. And that's no shade to the Buffalo Bills, but it's just Rex Ryan, him and adversity don't go well to me. Him in big game situations getting all kinds of penalties that doesn't go well. The New Orleans think, What if the defense decides they don't want to put in the effort? They lost another tough game. They 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 mind start wandering. It falls on Drew Brees to carry the load again. He put, he throws five thousand yards and they go seven and nine because the defense checked out early in the season. You know you just you know it's just the morale. You want to get a win to get that positive energy in the locker room. So it's very it's it's concerning those two those two teams in particular are in desperate need of a win. And if they don't get a win, they might need to start making draft plans. This is not a take. I am just saying. Um, RG3, though, man. There's no sympathy for RG3. He gets hurt in the first game, and now reports are sources say that the locker room is already off him. He gets hurt in the first game, and the locker room is off him already. I was talking about Jay Gruden earlier Jay Gruden is probably thinking to himself This could happen to a better guy When it comes to RG3 But the fact remains This guy RG3 can't seem to 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 get out of his own way When it comes to his body And I'm starting to wonder about RG3 The man Because he still What is this his fifth year in the league He still is failing To galvanize the locker room At the quarterback position Of all positions if your team isn't filling you, you'll never be anything but just a guy in the locker room. Look at Geno Smith. Whatever he did in New York, the players never felt him. He got snuffed by a linebacker and nobody came to his defense. He's blackballed in New York until he goes somewhere else and tries to has an opportunity for a fresh start. RG3's in a second city, and after one game you get hurt, the locker room is not messing with you anymore. That is that is that doesn't make you say, hmm? What kind of guy is RG3? RG3 must be a world-class jerk. I'm not calling him that. But I'm just saying, it was reports coming out of Washington that he wasn't the greatest guy. He gets hurt the first game, the last room is done with him. RG3 must be a jerk. Or he must be aloof. Or he must give off some kind of snootiness or, or arrogant, arrogance that really bothers people. I don't have the answers right now. But it has to be that. I'm a guy. Guys, as a whole, we live on camaraderie. We like to vibe with our fellow men, especially in those real, not in those grunt work environments. Like I worked for Delta, I worked in baggage for a few years. There was a lot of camaraderie in that. You know, we worked hard, we sweat, we, 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 we went to work. We knew it was a, it was physical labor. You know, we will come back. We will play spades in the locker room in between flights. We will we will bond with one another. You know, with your fellow men. The locker room is where a lot of the bonding happens. A lot of friendships are developed right there. So it's like RG3, like if RG3 was working for Delta, it seems like he's the guy who will go do his flight, throw his bags, and then go sit in the corner by himself. He he didn't ingratiate himself to the rest of the Delta team. You know, I'm not like people person one-on-one, but I enjoy a great game of space. I enjoy sports. I I enjoy talking a lot of crap And these are things that us men like to do And it was easy for me to ingratiate myself To my co-workers at the time It seems as though RG3 is failing at that I'm a little concerned for Robert Griffin III Because it's like at this point in in your life You've been in locker rooms your entire life How are you still getting this wrong? I don't know man RG3, maybe you need to get into the commentary game. Maybe you need to to just step away from the game entirely. Sometimes you got to listen to the signs that's being thrown your way in terms of, maybe this is not for you. Maybe this is not for you. Because it's obvious that however it's going down, it it, it ain't ain't hitting, man. It ain't hitting, bro. But people, we're going to take a quick break. You know, I got to promo myself for the people who are new to the show so they can know where to find it and everything, when we come back, I'm going to talk about Bill Belichick and what he needs to do now that Garoppolo is hurt. We'll be right back after this quick break. The Car Session Sports Report is live every Monday at 7 p.m. If you can't make it for the live show, this episode and all other episodes are available as a podcast on blogtalkradio.com slash Talk. I'll repeat that blogtalkradio.com slash car session sports talk don't miss out yes we are back we are back we are back Uh, Bill Belichick I feel like right now is where we're going to really find out the kind of coach Bill Belichick is you know I think this is where we get to see the kind of man Bill Belichick is as I said in recent weeks Jimmy Garoppolo was on the team because he can play He's been on the roster for a few years So he already established that he has the ability To play the game of football He also He also You can't leave this out Had years behind Tom Brady The quarterback That's coming in right now He doesn't have the luxury Of of playing years Behind a Tom Brady He's not. He's, he's a kid You know what I'm saying so it's like when you when you think about the situation now, the scenario that that involves the Patriots, they play on a Thursday night. They can't afford at this point, short, extremely short week. It's not even like they they played on Sunday or they play, like they played on Monday night and they got to play on Sunday. They played on Sunday and they have to go Thursday. I, I never really agreed with the whole Thursday night football aesthetic as it is. So it's like. You got a short week. There's no way possible, no matter how great of a mind the quarterback has, that he can pick up a game plan that quickly. Jacoby Brissett, coming into this short week, is going to be the quarterback. Julian Edelman is going to be the backup. Yes, you heard that right. It's going to be Julian Edelman as the backup quarterback. So if you have Julian Edelman in fantasy, and I do, if Brissett goes down, you might get some cheap points. <laughs> You might get some receptions and some completions and some passing yards, receiving yards, maybe some rushing yards, too. It might be the greatest fantasy week of all time, but that's not the point. The fact remains is that now we're going to see how great Belichick is. Short week, rookie quarterback. If the Patriots win this game, and from what I saw when Brissett came in yesterday... They didn't even change the offense that much. It wasn't like, they said, okay, kid, hand the ball off. The real combinations that they were running was Patriots' offense. It was his job to run the offense. But that's so Patriots, though. The Patriots again, are like, we're not going to bring you here to not run our offense. We're not going to babysit you. If you're on a team, your job is to know the offense. So it, it shouldn't surprise anyone that Brissette came in, ran the offense, and didn't look like a complete buffoon. They actually had a, a strong control of the offense. Very impressive. But again, 6-9 for nine against a lowly Dolphins team that I didn't think would be good anyway, and coming off a short week where guys don't necessarily want to play in the first place, <laughs> it's a different animal altogether. If, if like, I can't help but stress this. We are gonna see what Bill Belichick is all about. Not a question, as we've been seeing it for so many years. All right, this is very true, callers, listeners. I respect that. Bill Belichick is not a schmeg. He's been doing this for a while. But the fact remains, this is a Texans team with a very stout defense, with a a brand new quarterback coming in on a short week. The Texans right now are shocked, swarming. They are ready to eat. <laughs> believe it, they are ready to eat food. They're looking at Jacoby Brissett as dinner Thursday night. Absolute dinner. A patriot dinner. So I want to see what Bill Belichick is going to come up with. Yo, I'm going to tell you right now. I try not to make proclamations because I love the story that the season produces. I love the routes and the twists and the turns that these seasons take. But in any way, Jacoby Brissett home or road. I don't even care. If any way, Jacoby Brissett wins that start against that Texans defense, <laughs> Patriots are going to the Super Bowl, y'all. <laughs> the Patriots are going to the Super Bowl. I, I got, Oh, man. I'm sorry. They are going to the big game. Because if you tell me Jimmy Garoppolo is going to go Arizona and handle it business, and then we just saw what Arizona did as a statement game against the Buccaneers the following week, 40-7. Jameis looked like a complete buffoon, but Jimmy Garoppolo looked like a serviceable, I mean, actually a pro quarterback. can't even call him serviceable. He looked like a pro quarterback. And then one of the best defenses in the league on a short week with the rookie quarterback, they win that game. Patriots are going to the Super Bowl. You can't tell me different. Because once, Br- once angry Brady, passive-aggressive Brady comes back, taking the NFL decals off his helmet, and all comes back, it's going to get ugly for the rest of the league. Y'all are supposed to get the Patriots now, not wait until Brady comes back. <laughs> I'm not even a Patriots fan, but I am a sports fan with a, a dearth of knowledge. I know better. I'm not getting crazy talking about the Patriots. I, hey, if the Patriots go 4-0, and listen, if the Patriots go 4-0 and and they win the next two games with Jacoby Brissett, they're going 16-0, and they're going to win the Super Bowl, they're going to embarrass the league, maybe, maybe I'm jumping out the window. But I'm just saying, it wouldn't be surprising, no? It, it, it couldn't be, right? But um, I got my man William Martin on the line, 300 pounds of sports knowledge. I want him to come on and talk specifically about the New York Giants Defense that we've seen so far. So William, through two weeks, what's up, man? What have you What have you seen from the Giants' defense that's that's been so impressive? Like I, I'm not going to lie to you, I didn't expect this through two weeks. I I thought it would take about six or seven weeks before they look good. So what do they do schematically that's making this work so far?
1: uh well, for starters, they have playmakers out there. I mean, that's something that I want to say that the Giants have not had since 2013. You know. Okay. And, um, you know, for me, it's the situation. I look back at it like this. The Giants, they, they, after they won that second Super Bowl in 2011, I mean, they, they made another run in 2012. But their title window had closed because guys had gotten older and salary cap wise, the Giants were capped out and they had to rebuild and they tried to do it through the draft. And then, you know, they had a lot of cap flexibility during the offseason. And then, of course, basically Jerry Reese, their general manager, ran out of guys to fire. So, you know, with the cap room, they were able to go out, there, go out there and get playmakers. You figured Damon Harrison to team him with Jonathan Hankins at defensive tackle. You go out there and get Olivier Vernon. Jason Pierre-Paul has more of a burst. And I think it's a situation where you're seeing now where they're getting back to that package where they were able to get pressure From their defensive line. And then once you get pressure from your defensive line, when you blitz your linebackers, when you blitz your DBs, they're going to get to the quarterback more. And now these guys are flying around the football. We saw it in week one against the Dallas Cowboys, and we saw it even more uh, yesterday against the New Orleans Saints. Just to harp on the Dallas game real quick Dallas had a lot of long drives in that game, but they had to settle for field goals. And then you're talking about a situation where you hold Drew Brees. And that offense to 13 points, and this was the same offense that lit the Giants up last year. I mean, Drew Brees threw 17 exactly. So I think, so I think it's a lot of play uh, the playmakers that are there that are giving Steve Spagnuolo the opportunity to go out there and execute. And right now, I think the defensive unit has confidence. I think the team has confidence because you look at the Giants. They put up the numbers, but they had three turnovers yesterday. And their only touchdown was on special teams, but they still won the game. And they're winning games defensively because the D shut down the Saints yesterday. The D made the key plays against the Dallas Cowboys. And I think right now, this is a team, they're they're only going to get better as the season goes along. So I think it's a lot of, like, the, the personnel that the Giants have brought in, and I think it's making a difference. You
0: know... I kind of expected the front to do some things. I didn't think that JPP will forget how to play because he lost a couple of fingers. Not trying to make light of it, but it is what it is. But having JPP having a full training camp, doing the surgery to get whatever movement and range of motion he can have with his the rest of his fingers, along with a uh, Olivier Vernon, Zach Harrison, I knew the front would be good. I feel like the linebacking core so far has played a little over their head. I didn't expect this from the Giants linebackers. We've seen it in recent years with the linebacker's call. It's been a huge question mark for them. But the secondary, William, the secondary, I'm not seeing much passion happening against the New York Giants right now. What is it about the secondary? Eli Apple is playing exceedingly well. A lot of guys questioned the pick. I was not one of them who questioned that pick. I like Eli Apple coming out of Ohio State. But the secondary, my man, what 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 are they doing out there? Is it, is it Thompson, the, the rookie from Boise State? Like, I'm very impressed, William, but, you know, I, I get excited. I'm a Giants fan. You're a level-headed sports fan. Maybe you could tell me what mm-hmm. I'm seeing out here.
1: Well, I mean, you look at it like this. To me, there are more playmakers out there than there were last year. I mean, you look at Dominic Rogers, cromartie He's a solid corner, but he's not a guy that's going to stand up there and cover the other team's number one receiver all game. He could do it in right. sports, but not for the entire game. You bring in a guy like Janoris Jenkins and you go back to his track record when he was in college and before he got kicked out of Florida, you were looking at a guy that was going to be a potential top, top 10 pick. He went, the uh, he, he transferred, he went to a lesser school and he was a later round pick with the Rams and, you know, he showed flashes with the Rams and now he comes to the Giants, he gets his opportunity to start and then if you're DRC... You've got to fight for reps with the young guy and Eli Apple. And I think it's a good luxury for the Giants that they can bring in Eli Apple. And they also have uh, Janoris Jenkins. And now you have the opportunity to put DRC at nickel. Not to mention, you have another veteran, a former first-round pick that they picked up from the Cincinnati Bengals in Leon Hall. Landon Collins, you saw the playmaking ability there last year. And I really think the sky is a uh-huh. for him. And I think with a guy like Landon Collins, he gives the Giants a hybrid because it's not out of the realm of possibilities where you could see him at strong safety sneak up in the box and be that extra linebacker on run plays. So I think there's, a, there's more of a playmaking element back there. And I think eventually, this scene, like I said before, this team is only going to get better. I think right now the NFC East is theirs for the taking if they really want it. And you look at it this Sunday, they have a big game against the Washington Redskins. It's only week number three but you can really bury the Redskins because if the Giants beat the Redskins, they would be 2-0 and in the division while the defending champs of the division would be 0-3 and then 0-2 in uh-huh. the NFC East. So it's a good opportunity for for them to go out there. I think, you know, just fast-forwarding to Sunday, I think the Giants are going to really be focused and the reason why I say it is this. They had to scrap and claw to get that victory against New Orleans and in actuality, the game uh-huh. should not have been that close. That and close. they have to find a no. way Yeah, that they, they have to find a way to put, you know, put uh put drives together that end with sevens consistently. Not to mention, you know, there's gonna be a whole bunch of hype around Josh Norman going up against Odell Beckham Junior. So I think they have that opportunity there. But I mean just getting back to the uh defensive side of the ball, they're they're beginning to lick their chops in the way that the unit was really, like, game by game. They were licking their chops more and more under Steve Spagnuolo back in 2007. So, I look at it, you know, and I mean, it's an opportunity for the Giants to really, you know, do something real good this year. And I I would, I I, I really really think they have a good shot for the postseason, man.
0: I really like that draft pick out of Boise State to play free safety because I felt all last season, and I know you said the same on your show, 300 pounds of sports knowledge, that Landon Collins was completely out of position last season. As you just mentioned, right. we saw that just yesterday, and even in the Cowboys game, Landon Collins is all over the box. They ha- they are deploying him on blitzes. It was a few times he was in the Saints' backfield just yesterday. So you've seen that he's in his natural position as that hybrid safety linebacker kind of deal. I mean, we don't want him. He doesn't have the greatest ball skills. He didn't have the greatest ball skills at Alabama. But now you're telling this guy right. to go and hit somebody, attack the football in terms of the player with the ball, that's good. Also, as a matter of fact, the three cornerbacks, they have the ability to mix and max coverages. I haven't seen too much zone coverage from them. As of yet, I've seen a lot of man. But the fact remains is that, like you said, DRC can't man up the best receiver all game long. But they can play situational football, depending on what's happening down at distance, They can match with which corner they want to put on which receiver, which is a luxury they haven't had in a very long time. I think since, what, Terrell Thomas and Ross and company? And and Prince for that for a couple of games (laughs) because they couldn't stay healthy. So to to see that they have these options, I only pray that the Giants can stay healthy because they have a real defense. I don't think this is going to be a flash in the pan. I think this is a real defense. They are winning on first and second down, which is making it third and long for the opposing teams. And if they can keep that up, as you said, the division is theirs for the taking.
1: Well, I mean, I look at it like this. They're playing with confidence. And the reason why I say that, just go back to last year. These two games, they would have lost last year. Because, I mean, New York had five games where they had the lead in the last two minutes and they would go on to lose. And, I mean, that's something that you don't expect from a Tom Coughlin-led team, but they were a young team. And sometimes it's just the one play here or there. Sometimes it's that break that allows you to get over that hump. And, I mean, granted, don't get me wrong, you look at last week against the Dallas Cowboys, if Terrence Williams rolls out the other way and if Lance Dunbar rolls out the other way, Dallas probably has a good 20 more seconds to make something happen and to get in the field goal range. But it did not happen and the giants got a big uh got a big uh, weight lifted off of their backs because the last 3 times they went down to Dallas they lost you saw
0: the epic yeah. fashion
1: that they lost last year and now yeah. you know sometimes those are the breaks that you need to get over the hump and you know when Eli went to Odell Beckham late and Beckham dropped the ball, he was like, okay, I'm just going to do the same play, but on the other side to Victor Cruz, and Victor Cruz has out the guy and made the play, and that's something that the Giants were missing last year, and you know, it's that clutch gene to get over the hump, and you know, you don't apologize for winning, you know, they're 2-0, it's the first time that they've been 2-0 since 2009, and that good start will hopefully lead to bigger things for them, because Every year, the last three years, they've lost their first two games of the season. And, you know, when you get off to that bad start, it just leaves a bad taste in your mouth because the NFL season is so quick. You're just in chase
0: mode all the time. Exactly. I'll say this before I let you go. You know I'm not a Coughlin guy, and I've seen in the fourth quarter of the first two games, McAdoo has... been textbooks with clock management and play calling. I just wanted to point that out so far. In the Cowboys game and in the Saints game, you did the right thing at the right time when we got the win. But William, I got to go. I appreciate the time. I hope to get you all more as the football season goes along to bring perspective when I get excited about some football.
1: Alright, man. As always, man. That's a pleasure, man.
0: I have a good one, boss. You too. Alright, y'all. Alright. I, wanna, I have a question. This show is going to run long. Just bear with me. This, it, it was going to be an hour. It's going overtime. I got a lot to talk about. Why are there so many sensitive sports fans? Right? It's, it's, it's a legitimate question, no? Is it not a legitimate question? A lot of sensitive sports fans. Your team wins, you post a bunch of memes in celebration, talking your talk. Talking your smack when your team wins When your team loses You get upset because it comes back your way Oh it's happening too much Oh y'all talk too much A, B, C, and D Whatever happened to being a sports fan Celebrating your win And taking your lumps, Taking your lumps when you lose What is it about 2016 And in this new era Where you can't You don't want to take hit when your team loses But you want to do the most talking when your team wins I don't I don't I don't like that. He, and then, you know what it is too? Like so much disrespect. I am a Kobe Bryant fan. I am a Los excuse me, I'm a Los Angeles Lakers fan. LeBron James goes to a Rams game yesterday, and they're booing and chanting Kobe. Like come on, sports fans. Kobe's the god, we know that. Appreciate LeBron James. He's there to watch your Los Angeles Rams. Not about the Lakers. Applaud that man. Like, why are you still mad at LeBron? You, are, you you should boo the network that you watch the basketball games on. Not LeBron. LeBron. LeBron didn't ask that he put on the pedestal he was put on by a certain networks. So why are you not booing them? You still watch and listen to them religiously, but then you boo LeBron because LeBron got put on a pedestal. A lot of Lakers fans still higher than Kobe Bryant. Hey, that's just a, that's the break. When you had a football game, he's coming out to support the team, and you boo him. Stop being so sensitive, Sportsman. That's the whole point of the matter. You see know how the music dropped right when I finished that thought?
3: <laughs>
0: yeah, also, Canelo Alvarez had a fight Saturday night, right? I'm not sure if, if you guys knew that happened. I'm not sure if, if you... What's his name? Liam Beefy Smith? If that's his name, Beefy Liam? I don't even know. I never heard of this guy. I mean, I love boxing. But when, you ha- when you're fighting a dude named Beefy, and you're, <laughs> and you're supposed to be the top draw, <laughs> you're supposed to be the top draw in boxing, in your physical prime, and you're fighting a dude named Beefy, that is a problem. That is a humongous problem. Now, the question is, why is it a problem? Because guys named Beefy should not get title shots. You understand that? (laughs) That name is so funny to be Beefy Liam or Liam Beefy Smith. You beat him with a body shot. You had the audacity to have it on pay per view. There's there's a lot of Latino boxing fans, a lot of specifically Mexican boxing fans who are mad at Canelo Alvarez for the way he's handling This Triple G scenario where are they going to fight? Are they not going to fight? I I speak to boxing fans, and they talk about how Triple G is running and Triple G is this and Triple G is that. There's a lot of men who don't want to get in the ring with Triple G. And more and more and more is looking like Canelo Canelo Alvarez is one of those guys who do not want to get in the ring with a Triple G. When your own nation is starting to look at you sideways, Mexican fighters don't run from anybody. Wasn't it Canelo Alvarez that said Mexican fighters don't F around? Or was it Mexicans don't F around? Either way, it was something to do with Mexicans not Fing around. In terms of we don't run from anybody, we are not cowards. But Golden Boys kinda of treating you like you're a coward, Canelo. They treating you like you're a coward. You're not in the ring with Triple G, but you're fighting beefy. <laughs> <laughs> What a dude named Beefy. This is not Canelo Alvarez Punch Out. It sounds like a video game character. You know, you're fighting Beefy Liam. (laughs) He shouldn't even be Smith. It should just be Beefy Liam. Canelo Alvarez Punch Out. You gotta do better, Canelo. You're not Floyd Mayweather. Your stature is not that high. What people are not understanding is, as much as they want to bash the fighters involved, whether you're a Triple G guy, whether you're a Canelo Alvarez guy, is the fact that these two are trying to drum up interest to make this the next big boxing event. What they're not understanding here, or maybe or maybe they think they understand and the we are the ones who don't get it. But from my perspective looking in, what they don't understand is that This is the fight that leads to the boxing event. I don't believe that Canelo Alvarez, Triple G have the cachet to be a mega event like a Floyd Mayweather versus Manny Pacquiao. I don't think they carry that cachet as of right now. What I think they are essentially is they will be the draw that brings boxing back to the forefront because it's not going to be a tactical fight where you, you might get bored because it's two pure boxers. These guys are going to hit each other. And then from there, it be, a slew of matchups open up because Canelo can easily go fight some more welterweights, and there's a slew of welterweights on the come-up. Believe that. There is a slew of welterweights on the come-up who he can fight with, and you can have some great fights. Or he could go up to the middleweight division officially because he's a big dude. He was big for the welterweight division as it is, he could go up to the middleweight and there's a slew of guys that he can make some great fights with. But I don't think that this is the boxing event. This is the transition to a slew of boxing events. For instance, I was talking about it with a of a, a boxing fan. Let's say Triple G goes on to handle his business whenever he fights Canelo Ivers. He wins that fight. Andre Ward beats Kovalev. Even if he doesn't beat Kovalev. But in the event, because that's for the light heavyweight. But it will be it will be bountiful if he beats Kovalev. Then you have the Triple G Andre Ward Style Clash, because it would be a Style Clash mega boxing event. Because before Andre Ward had issues with promoters and things of that nature, he was the next guy up in terms of the powerful pound title right behind the Floyd Mayweather that you have the best puncher in the world I guess the best fighter in the world. That right there is the mega boxing event. But before we can get there, to bring the interest level as high as it could possibly, maybe it'd be Canelo and Andre Ward. But before we can get there, these two guys have to fight. They are the table setters. That's what it is. Whereas boxing took a step back with the Floyd Mayweather-Manny Pacquiao fight in some eyes. And I feel since that fight, there's been a lot of great boxing. We've been building up to an event that does not involve those two names. But before we can get there, the two biggest possible names need to fight. They need to set the tone for what boxing could be. Because at their weight classes, Canelo and Triple G are capable of going up and down to make tons of mega fights. But nobody is going no, to, the, the casual public is not going to buy in until they fight each other. So instead of treating. Canelo Alvarez, like, he's this megastar, and embarrassing his Mexican heritage by fighting Beefy Liam and Canelo Alvarez Punch-Out. Make this fight happen in May. I know it's, I'm reading it's supposed to be September now. This fight needs to happen Cinco de Mayo weekend. This fight needs to happen sooner rather than later. Triple T can't go fighting more welterweight and having a towel thrown him. You can't go fighting dudes named Beefy. You guys need each other. Need each other. And for whatever's going to happen next in boxing that could be humongous, you guys have to fight. I spoke about it in CarSage in New York City over the weekend. I'm talking about it again. You two need to cut the crap. Golden Boy needs to cut the crap. Triple G handlers need to cut the crap. Make this fight happen. Think of the weekend. Give us something to look forward to because all boxing fans know. You think I'm the only one talking about this? All boxing fans know the endless possibilities that are going to come after this fight. Forget the fight itself. It's after the fight. There's a slew of possibilities that can happen that can bring boxing back to the forefront while USC is looking for that next star. Yes, this show is running long. It's going over the hour. And last now, but not least, let's bring it home with my homeboy, Eddie Segarra finally bringing back that Met segment as he's normally known for. After a long hiatus, one that I didn't quite appreciate, our friend, Met fan, sports blogger Eddie Cigara is back on Car Sessions. Eddie, welcome back. It feels good to be back, Ray. Yeah, yeah, it, it better feel good, bro. You know, you you and your job, making money, getting in the way of Met business, uh, first place in the wild card, finally got over the 10 games over 500 hump. They scored nine runs total to beat the Twins, with the sweep was a sweep. How are you feeling about the New York Mets as of right now?
3: I feel great, despite all the injuries, you know, despite all the setbacks. You know, over the weekend, it was announced that Jacob Durham is most likely going to miss the rest of the season with a forearm issue. You know, just when you thought things were getting better for the Mets, you know, he was going to start on Sunday, he was going to be on a pitch count, yep. and then an hour, like two hours before the game, it was announced that the ground wouldn't make his Sunday start, and he most likely was done for the year. But you know what? That's the care of business against the Twins. You know, uh, yes, they only scored nine runs against the Twins, but, hey, they swept them. They took care of business. They had 13 games remaining. I mean, it would have to take an absolute catastrophe for them not to make the playoffs.
0: Listen, Eddie, the Eddie, 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 Eddie. It's just a matter of Eddie.
3: whether do they get the home field or
0: not. You, you, now, see, you're sticking your chest out a little bit too much now. We're Met fans. Catastrophes happen to the Mets. If it would happen to any team in baseball, it would be the Mets. So let us not, let's not poke our chest out until we clinch the playoff spot. Just because, you know... Nine years ago, we were up seven with 17 to play, and we missed the playoffs. And then the following year, something similar uh, happened again. So I don't need you puffing your chest out, you know, and then you jinx us because then I'm going to look at you sideways until February when pitches and catches link up. So let's let's crawl before we walk.
3: I mean, you know, when it comes to the New York Mets, I mean, Mets fans, I would like to personally apologize to every single one of you. You're probably wondering why. Yes. Do you remember a few weeks ago, the Mets were 60-62. and 62. Mm-hmm. They had lost the first two games against San Francisco. Mm-hmm. I thought it was over. I thought their season was over. Fast forward, three weeks later, the Mets are 11 games over 500.
0: Wow. Well, you know, in fairness to the Mets at that time, we were essentially fielding Semi minor league team, like we had some major league guys mixed in with some minor league guys, and the injuries were really overkill in terms of the the everyday players. We've gotten healthier, Cespedes is back, Azruba Cabrera is back, I think Reyes was out during that time. We, we had a lot of players who were out, Ligaris was out, you know. But surprisingly, a Met that I was, you know, I kind of hated him for a while. The odds is starting to play a little bit well. Uh, Wilma Flores, before he got hurt, was finally playing every day like he should be. Like I said for a while there, the injuries forced Terry Collins to play the right guys every day because for some reason, you know, he wants to give guys playing time. Oh, he was 2-for-2, two 2-for-4 two, two last night? Let's let him play again the next day. You know, then he's benching the wrong players at the wrong times. I still question him as a manager. I think he sucks personally. But... Right now, with the, with the the health situation, it forces him to play the right guys on a day-to-day basis. And I think that, more than anything else, has helped the Mets build some kind of continuity. When you have most, I would say, six or seven of the nine guys constantly getting fielded every day, that can only help you, chemistry-wise.
3: No, I agree with that. But there's, there's two things to bear watching moving forward with the remaining uh, 13 games they have this season. He just brought up Wilma Flores. You yeah. know, he's been absolutely killing the ball. You know, he's, he's been playing so well, sitting over 280 since the All-Star break. But he hasn't played in over a week yeah. since his home plate collision in Atlanta. And the thing that concerns me, you know, Neil Walker goes down for the season with a back injury or whatnot. But, you know, yeah, World of Flores, you were able to pull, you were able to plug him in, and he became your everyday second baseman. You know what he does against lefties, and he hasn't been able to return since that home plate collision. You know, apparently he had a neck issue, which is, you know, okay now, but now he has a wrist issue, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I, like I said, you know, looking ahead, if the Nets play a San Francisco in that one game playoff, San Francisco is most likely going to have a Madison Bumgarner going for them. You want Wilma Flores in the lineup because he killed lefty. And if he's not in the lineup, I mean, T.J. Rivera, oh. yes. he's Yes, T.J. Rivera. Yeah, that guy. He's really good. A Wilma Flores in the lineup over T.J. Rivera, who, once again, I'm not killing T.J. He's been yes, playing great, but I want a Wilma Flores playing second
0: base. You know, Ed, I I I can't say I agree 100% just because I've never seen uh, Wilma Flores hit good pitching. He's taken advantage and feasted on average pitching, average lefties, but what dominating lefties he ever done well against? Honestly, he gets too picky when he goes up against High-level starting pitchers. I'll take my chances with a kid who's a free swinger who might get who might get lucky and hit the right pitch against a bum garden, as opposed to a Wilma Flores, who wants to get too cute out there and then eventually strike out looking like he normally does against elite starting pitchers. So give me TJ Rivera in that situation. I've liked Rivera since he came up. Honestly, I like free swinging mess. We got too many guys there who not name your NSS but as who wants to stare at pitches instead of swinging. So, in a one game playoff where every at bat counts, every situational hitting scenario counts, give me Rivera. I don't really trust Wilma Flores in that.
3: Okay, you know, uh, we're all entitled to our own opinions and stuff. Hey, TJ Rivera, Wilma Flores. But another thing they're watching are, you know, your guy, my guy. Lucas Duda's back.
0: Oh please. Oh please. <laughs> oh, please. What is this? He yo.
3: Back injury
0: <laughs> and hey, I know you absolutely kill Lucas Duda because
3: mean, he deserves like, to be killed. Ago, there was there was the the, the, the debate who's better, Ike or Lucas, The Mets thought Duda was the better player. And then you know, where's Ike Davis been, hey, that's a topic for another day. But uh, if you remember Terry calls over the weekend said, hey, you know what, Duda, you know. um... Pinch hit and now he starts. Well, guess what happened? Sunday, he's in
0: the lineup. What did he do today, Eddie? You, said you, so. What did he do today, Eddie? Huh? huh? What? What, he, what? What? What did Lucas do to do today? That, damn, that was hard to say. What did Lucas do to do today? That sounds like a children's hey. novel.
3: <laughs> let's, let's remember that if the minor league season was still going on, Lucas Duda would not be getting major league at yeah, bats right now in the minor leagues, but because the minor league season is over and because of the expanded rosters you yeah. bring up yeah. Lucas Duda because we already know, the Mets already know what they're going to get out of James Loney they'll, they'll get some really good defense yep. and you're going to get a 265 270 hitter who has no power Lucas Duda. Provide you with some what power. good is
0: power that, that that only happens maybe three weeks out of a major league season if you play average defense. James Loney has not been a problem for the Mets and I prefer to keep Loney playing every day as opposed to a dude who might strike out nine times and hit a home run and then oh my god Lucas Dudes hot again and hit a home run. Then he proceeds to strike out another five times. Give me Loney. He's been steady at the plate, he's been more than steady in the field, and he's not been any issue for the Mets. I don't want any. I don't want that stench of Duda on my team right now. No, absolutely not.
3: You clearly forgot about Lucas Duda's three-run homer in Game Four
0: against. And what did he do? Yo, listen, listen, listen. He, Lucas Duda played out of that whole season, including October and almost into November. He only had a three-week stretch in the whole season. And what was he doing before his back fell off this year? Nothing. Nothing. Did you miss? All right. Did you miss Lucas Duda while he was away, Eddie? Full disclosure. I missed him. No, you didn't. <laughs> You're a liar. <laughs> Lone, <he's been
3: laughs> a bad thing about James Loney. He's been serviceable for the Nets, but Lucas Duda is the guy you want hitting behind you when it's best for
0: this. No, oh, no, absolutely not. No, hell no, hell no. You're killing me right now, man. <sighs> I'd rather I'd rather Wilma Flores behind Cespedes than strike out Duda. Hell no, no, no. This guy. <laughs> this guy. I'll I'll say this though. I don't think I want Darno starting that catcher in the playoffs. <laughs> wait, wait,
3: wait, 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 What? Wait, wait, wait. Did I just hear, ladies and gentlemen? Did, did we just hear race that? Yes. He does not want Travis Darno, who he has gone on record. And said how good of a player he is, and he's young. He has potential. Yes. You do not want Travis Darno starting a playoff game for the New York Mets. Wait, uh, had you been drinking before the show? Tra- What's going on?
0: At this point, <laughs> he is Travis Darno as an N O. Because playoffs, everything counts. You know that it's not like we could play a three-game series and then all right, we got we got we got the next one. If if we lose three or four straight against a team because we weren't playing serviceable defense, there is no next game. we got to wait till next season. And the way teams are running, I'll take my chances with a T.J. Rivera being the primary catcher in the postseason because look how the Nationals no, treated us. Rene Rivera. Um, excuse me, Rene Rivera. Too many Riveras on the Mets. But uh, <laughs> you saw how the Nationals treated the Mets all year long. It was almost like a bad joke. Oh, somebody's on first base? Yeah. Still second. <laughs> And then Terry Collins, for whatever reason, does, he doesn't, I don't know what was going on with the Mets as a team. They rarely throw over the first base. They don't hold any runners on. They don't try any pickoff plays. Nothing happens. So if you're content to not keep players close on first base, you need a proper defensive catcher. We already know that Travis Darnold can't throw a lick. So you might as well put Rene Rivera in there. At least you have a shot, you know.
3: Let me. So let me. Let me ask you a question, though. So uh, you know, if the Mets play the Giants, who likes to run? You know, Rene Rivera yes. is you Noah know, Syndergaard's personal catcher. Yes, he is. To have Rene
0: Rivera catch that game. Rivera starts know. that catcher. He bats eighth, and there's nothing else to talk about. Mm-hmm. Okay. Absolutely not. But that whole Lucas the bat behind Cespedes, no. No, 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 Can I no, under your no, no, have no, watch no, not, not that it, not that I have a say, but <laughs> if I did, you, I think Curtis Grandison has been shining behind him, batting behind Cespedes recently, I'd rather Cespedes, He's, I'd rather, I'd rather you know, Curtis right now,
3: he hasn't had the year that he had last year, you know, he was arguably the Mets MVP last year, um, yeah, it's the Guy has, you know, before he was a, he was on a one for twenty five uh stretch up until this weekend when he hit the two extra inning home runs, you know. I mean Curtis Grandison has twenty eight home runs this year. How many RBIs does he have, Ray? Hey. Under sixty RBIs. Listen, That's crazy.
0: The the approach at the plate has been better since he started batting behind Cespedes. That's all I'm saying, man. And with the Mets and and and, and to be fair. We don't know how much playing time Duda's gonna get. We don't. I don't know that Duda's gonna be the, the starting first baseman and come playoff time. How do we know he's prepared to handle that, that workload?
3: Nah, you're absolutely right. And another question that Terry Collins has moving forward: What do you do with Jay Bruce? He has been absolutely dreadful for the Mets. You know, a lot of Mets fans were like, "Hey, you know, we got Jay Bruce." You know, Yolanda that came in in 2015. See, see we, we all saw what he did. Yeah. Dave Bruce has pretty much done the complete opposite. He's hitting under 200. Well, to be as fair. As a number of the New York Mets, he had four home runs. The guy was leading the National League in RBIs at the time of the trade.
0: He's not a New York baseball player. he
3: 200 RBIs this year, Ray.
0: Re- hey. He Re- won RBIs. Remember last year at the trade deadline when we had the conversation, I told you I wanted no parts of Jay Bruce. I wanted Joanna you know, Cespes. And I, for that, for this exact reason, certain players, they have that swagger about them that you know. They could play anywhere. They're going to ball out. And there's certain guys who ball out when there's nobody looking. Jay Bruce is a nobody-looking baller. Cincinnati, nobody cares about Cincinnati. That's middle America. Nobody's really paying attention besides Cincinnati Red fans. You come to New York City, bright lights, the media, a thousand. You, we've been to Met Games. You see how much cameras are just up on the baseline on both sides? A lot of guys can't function in that environment. It's a petri dish, New York City. He hey, Think about it. When he, when it was time for the trade deadline to roll around this year, the Mets weren't even on his short list. He had three cities, none of which you could consider big cities as his selections to be traded to. So he knows who he is as a player. He knows he's not built for, for the stage that is New York, and is playing and showing that.
3: Uh, he can't handle it. You know, that's where I have to disagree with you there, right? What's up? Do you remember correctly, two of the cities that he had on his
0: short list was L.A. and San Francisco. San Francisco's not a big city, Eddie. Cut it out. And L.A., LA as much as L.A. is a big city, it's not New York. It's the pressure to play in L.A. is... It, it's not like he chose Boston. Going to Boston and going to L.A. is two different worlds. LA's a lot more laid back. It's not. It's not New York. It might be a big city in terms of Hollywood... But in terms of being an athlete in Los Angeles, the only teams that L.A. cares about, really and truly, are the Lakers and now the Rams, the heritage teams of the city. Now, a lot of those other teams, fo- nobody cares about the Angels. The Angels are flowing under the radar in Anaheim. The L.A. Kings, they won championships just like it didn't happen. Like,
3: you might make a little bit of a point. Man, I'm now. a Laker
0: fan. I listen, I, I follow L.A. media. It's like... 65 to 70% Laker coverage, and then 30% everything else. Everything else. Yes. <laughs> yes. Jay Bruce, that guy. You know, What do we do with him at all? Matter of fact, let's not talk about the offseason. Let's not talk about it. Let's, let's focus on the right now. The Mets are pushing towards the playoffs. They're looking like they're going to get a home field advantage. I like the fact that the two teams that are in the yeah. race are beating up on each other. But... In the National League, is there a team, not name the Cubs, that you're scared of in terms of the Dodgers or the Nationals? Is there a team that you don't want to see, like, where the Dodgers and the Nationals end up facing each other? Because we got the Cubs, regardless of how things shake out with the wild card. It, who would you rather see, the Dodgers or the Nationals? I'd rather see the
3: L.A. Dodgers.
0: Okay.
3: I mean... You know, we don't know if Clayton Kershaw's healthy, you know. I mean, he looked better his last time out. He pitched against the New York Yankees, and he had five shutout innings. Mm -hmm. And then the start before that, you know, he pitched against the Marlins, though. But, you know, it was his first time pitching in a major league game in over three months, though. But who do you have behind the Clayton Kershaw? You know, a lot of – I mean, much kudos to Dave Roberts and their staff, because myself included, I wrote the Dodgers off. Once Clayton Kershaw went down, he did. They were playing better baseball without Kershaw. But you know, let's uh, I mean, let's not forget Clayton Kershaw is not an everyday player. He's only a, he's only a guy that's gonna contribute once every five days. Um, I think the Dodgers are a better matchup though. Um, they have a really good back end to their bullpen. Um, but you know, who do you have behind Clayton Kershaw? You know, Zach Greinke is no longer there. You know, that Kaz, I mean, uh, Scott Casmere, former Mets, yes. uh, he's hurt. I mean, who's your number two starter? I mean, uh, are the Dodgers going to risk bringing a Clayton Kershaw back on short rest?
0: Yes, they will.
3: Uh, Kershaw. For the second year in a row, I with, think, the think he has with his back, though, I don't know if that's something I you want to play whole, around with, you know? I think the
0: whole object of getting um, Kershaw these starts right now is to get him built up for October. And honestly, I, I would, this is going to sound crazy. But I would prefer to play the Nationals Because the Nationals have a way when, when they get to the brightest of lights They kind of fold up And if we could luck up and end up in the National League Championship Series Against the Nationals Nothing would please me more Than to see the Nationals fold under pressure While we repeat as National League Champions Selfishly
3: speaking
0: um. I want to beat the Nationals in the playoffs Long story short
3: you know, I I agree with you to a certain extent. I mean, the the the, the Nationals as they the, as they're currently constructed before you know pre Murphy were in the playoffs several times, couldn't get out of the divisional round. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Nationals have a lot of question marks themselves. I mean, who do you have oh. behind a Max Scherzer?
0: It's like the Dodgers, though. You know, well, Ro, you got Roark over there. He's, a, he's, hey, he's know, pretty Rolfe,
3: good. he's had himself a fabulous year, but you're asking uh, uh, Tanner Roark to start a percent, uh, game two and game five sure. of a playoff series. Uh, you, uh, I, I'm sure Nassau fans would prefer uh, Steven Shogberg, but he, he, he's probably done for the year. I mean, who else do you have? Gio Gonzalez? Please.
0: Well, I'll who say long? this, Ed. We, we're running a little long. I'll say this. Every National League team not named the Cubs at this point are flawed teams approaching flawed. the playoffs. flawed. I agree. You know? But, Ed, we pushing nearly 20 minutes here. We we had to get that timing because, you know, you are in your job and everything, getting in the way of oh, Mets talk. I you know, know, you need to tell your boss, listen, it's all about the Mets.
3: Thank you. Yes. Thank you for allowing me. Thanks for the platform. It's been so long. I have to, I have to get a lot on my chest. I, I, see. You know? I see, I see. I see. I see. How to get a lot off How to get a lot off my chest? I had to get Lucas Duda off my chest? Oh, because please. I'm telling you right now, he will be a
0: contributor. I listen. Don't get me wrong. I don't want him to. I'm not you who wants Travis Darnold to fail. I actually want Duda to do well because that means the match will do. They'll win. But at the end of the day, I have no faith in him. I just I just don't.
3: You know, go last sitting before you let me go. What's up? Something for Mets fans to think about, something for you, you, know, for you to think about as well. Mm-hmm. If Travis knows does not start that one game playoff, you know, let's just say for whatever reason, you know, they don't make it out of that one game. Do the Mets non-tender Darno? I'm just saying, just think about it. Oh boy, Do the here Mets you go. the non-tender Darno,
0: or would they try to trade him? I think they just give him one more shot. He'll get one more shot and probably what get. I are you gonna give a Travis start. He'll get one more shot, then more, and if he fails, he'll probably get moved in the package mid-season in 2017. But they're not gonna just let him walk. That's not happening. I guess Eddie disagrees. I agree. Oh. Hey, well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Me and Eddie agree about something related to Travis Darnold. This is a blessing. Uh, Times must be really well in New York City. <laughs> Eddie, we appreciate the time. Uh, we're going to try to do this again next week, no promises, but if we have to do it in a situation where we pre-record, we will do so because we have to have you on. It's a playoff push. You know, I'm pretty sure we'll both be at Met Games this week at some point or the other since the tickets are so cheap and we're going to have some experiences to trade back and forth. Yes. This this will
3: not be the last time you hear from me, guys. I will be
0: back. You know, you know, you know non-Met fans are probably going to be sick of us listening to this, but I don't care. It's <laughs> concession. <laughs> Thanks for having me on, Ray. All right, have a good one, man. Yes, like I said, I don't care. Because it's car sessions. This is a sports report, people. We have a little fun. We speak about sports in a factual context. Not here for the narratives. We're not here for the hot garbage that you get on TV for 24 hours. When you tune in to car sessions, you know what you're going to get. That's pure, uncut, unfiltered sports talk. Until next time, car sessions in New York City will be dropping either Thursday night Or Friday afternoon, look out for that. Until next time, I'm out of here. Peace.